get underway here with a bit of a review. Um, welcoming you guys all back. This is our second lesson of Catastrophe. The title of this one is Satan Deceives. Um, so, so far we've covered these, these top four pictures here. Uh, this is of the prophets, God's people, or um, God spoke through men. God is the author, but he inspired people to write his word. God was there eternally before, and he'll eternally exist going forward. Um, and that's why we always go back to the word and, uh, for the source of everything. But that's why we use it in our contrasting points to pit lies and see which is true, what is a lie. Um, so that's why we use the word as our reliable source. Just like why do you go to a World War II vet if you want to have the most reliable account? Because they were there. They were present, just as God was present. And then we have the story of creation and how God reveals a lot of his attributes through creation that he created uh, in creation week at a particular order by separating the waters and then filling those spaces. Um, and so we learn that God is faithful, he's orderly, and he's purposeful because he set a stage here for his, the highlight of his creation. Those who would bear his image, Adam and Eve, made equal in his image, and they bared his image in the ways that they're creative. They ruled over the garden as it was a command to rule and name the animals for Adam. And uh, they had a, a mind and a will and emotions to, to know God, love God, and respond to God. And um, yeah, we just see a, an awesome event of God take place here. And <clears throat> for his prized possession, he made Adam and Eve. And so he's also the rightful owner and ultimate ruler over them. But it, does, it sounds a little bit strong, but when we hold that up against God being perfectly good and loving, holy, just, that was revealed through, through what we've seen so far, well, who wouldn't want a ruler like that? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> He's the author, right? And it says in the sentence, That's right. God is the author, owner, and ruler. That's right. And then he created the thousands upon thousands, ten thousand upon ten thousand of angels. <clears throat> and... Uh, they were present during the creation because it says that they worshipped him when they saw creation unfolding. But there was one particular angel. His name originally was Lucifer, morning star. He was gloriously decorated. Um, but he began to become prideful, stating all these things in his heart that, you know, God isn't good. He doesn't need him. He's able to overthrow him. He led a rebellion. Whereabout it says a third of the angels followed with him and they became known as demons. He thought, remember those I wills? There was like five I wills. I will become like God. I will overthrow him. All these things. So he was trying to usurp what was rightfully God. Because we've been learning that there's only one God. Although he's three beings, he's in one, or three persons, he's one being. There's only one God. And he's holy. He's never going to give his ownership to another. Because that would make him not be holy anymore. And, and so it's an impossibility. So he wasn't going to share his glory or his ownership or rule with Lucifer. So here we have a picture of Lucifer who was cast down disgracefully, stripped of all of his adornments, if you want to say. And here he is now where? Like a fire? No. No, he's cast to the earth. That's right, earth, along with his followers, which we call demons today. So there he is uh, in protest. You can see he's got his fist raised in artistic rendition there against God, but we can imagine if you had that stripped of him, how he would feel, right? Um, and so then we are entering into the scene here today of where Satan, 
Uh, Lucifer's name became Satan, which means what? Accuser. Accuser, a few things, yeah. Adversary. Adversary. Yeah, and I actually learned that it's a proper pronoun, I think. It's actually the Satan, so he's the adversary. Um, Just a fun fact. And so we're going to enter here into the garden where Adam and Eve are holding a fruit. I'm going to dispel any false beliefs that it was an apple necessarily. (laughs) We have no idea. Um, But they're holding a fruit from a particular tree of which Adam and Eve were told not to eat of. Um, So everything up to this point, hang on a second, everything up to here was created by a holy God and therefore it was perfect. That's why within ethnos we take the stance that um, because at the end God said it's very good, that that's why we place Satan's fall here. Because if God put his stamp of good on it, very good, then we believe that's why Satan ha- that happened after. And so now Satan <clears throat> is in what was just a pristine, pristine environment as, as one who's going to deceive and, uh, and fight against God. And we're going to see more of those events take place uh, today or how that event of him being cast down um, had an effect on Adam and Eve. So, pardon me. So as we, as we just, again, encapsulate uh, aspects of God as we go into this lesson, we can say that God is the ultimate owner and ruler. He's supreme. God is holy and just. And God is most powerful. He knows everything. He sees everything. He's everywhere at the same time. And nothing can be hidden from him. Remember we brought up that that the name of that place, Lake of Fire, last lesson? What does that tell us? Because wh- who did he prepare that place for? Lake of Fire. Devil. At this point, who do we know he prepared it for? Devil, Devil and his angels at this point in the story? That's right. But you're, you're still right, Terry. I'm just, yeah. Um, so what does this tell us about his view towards rebellion or sin? Yeah, zero tolerance policy. Yeah. He rejects it. It, uh, it attempts to defy him. He justly punishes it, rightly and perfectly so. Anything that stands in opposition to him and his character. And again, <clears throat> we're not painting a picture of a tyrant. He's not like some of these communist leaders that are tyrants. He is still a loving, good, gracious, kind, merciful, faithful, orderly God. And so, of course, he justly punishes and judges, right? Do I have this picture here? Oh, yeah. Someone explain this picture to me. What does this picture help us to remember or or correct our thinking? So, picture of these little sword, God's giant sword. Somebody want to take a a kick at how this kind of straightens out our thinking that might be incorrect otherwise? Good and evil are not equal. That's right. Yeah, oftentimes we have this picture that it's like, you know, it'd be like Andrew and I sparring, you know, evil and good. I'll let you decide who's who. <coughs> but uh, but uh, here we have, yeah, of course, to God, it's just like his breath, his presence. I think as Tony had read, is enough to, to blast Satan away. God is so much greater. But sin, pride, his self-centered pride blinded him. 
And so, as he thought he could overthrow God, he was rudely awakened, but rightfully so. Can anybody remember the definition of sin that we used last lesson? And feel free to just take your best crack at it. It's, it's, it's not like, you know, official Wikipedia definition or anything like that. It's just uh, <laughs> our, our established take of it. I can give you a hint, maybe. Rebellion against God? Yeah. Anything that is not of faith? Yeah. Anything that's not of faith, rebellion against God? Anything else come to mind? Whether it's just... Pardon? Breaking commands. Yeah. So yeah, we say, we have it here as, sin is anything, is anything <laughs> that rejects God. <laughs> his character, his word, I just want to make sure he's got it. Anything that rejects his word, his character, his will, his ways, and as such, it dishonors him. And it can be any four of those things there. Thought, word, attitude, action, or deed. Um, when we read James 1, 14 and 15. Do I have that one here? I think I do. Yeah. So James 1, 14 to 15, it says in the Bible. It... Uh, it's saying each one when tempted, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. Do you, do you back one more time on the last one? I sure. The last sentence of the last one. So, when does sin begin? Where am I? Yeah. In the heart before it's seen. It talks of it. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to get to it here. Exactly, it says, from our own desires, enticing us, dragging us away, giving birth. It's like, it's very much like these pictures, this word picture of, of something very living and very real, hey? Like, it's like a seed, a poisonous seed, and then that the births or it, it uh, germinates. Or it's like thorns, like on a rose, like thistle or something. Right, yeah. As it sins like. And I believe sin begins when one chooses to believe in the temptation and accept the idea that contradicts God's character. And it also begins, I believe, when the heart brings God, who's the creator. Who can find it before me? This is my test. Who the creator is brought lower than the created. So, is there anything God didn't create? At this? Everything was created by him. Right. So, any, so sin brings the heart, is when the heart brings God, the creator, beneath the person or the creation. Any questions? Or contributions? Or 
I'm going to highlight our uh, highlight pride here. So ideas that often do this or contradict God's character, they're, they're rooted in, in this sinful self-centered pride, in this idea that it lowers God, that God isn't good. So a total lie against what we're learning, that he is a very good God, a lie that we don't need God. Again, we use the, the uh, example of our heartbeat or breath of our lungs. We don't add that to ourselves. So to say that we don't need God, like it or not, we depend on everything he, everything that we need for him, whether it's oxygen, our heartbeat, whatever. I'm able to overthrow the one who created me and take his place. That didn't work well for Satan, and he seemed pretty powerful. Or I alone have the final say. Oops, I skipped one there. But yeah, I alone have the final say over everything in my life. I exist by my own strength and wisdom. No one will rule over me or tell me what to do. So that, that's ignorant, ignorance, really. Pride or denial. And, and the pride blinds, as we keep saying. These ideas, among others, is, is the place where sin is conceived, where it's germinating. And then it gives birth, as it says in James, to the actions of sin. So we need to understand that Lucifer sinned long before he said, I will, I will do these things. I will be greater than God. I will rule myself in the heavens. Sin began when he became proud in his heart. So today's lesson, his followers, as we're saying, are now on earth. And who else is on the earth at this point? Well, I just said Satan's on the earth. So who else is on the earth at this point? His followers. Adam and Eve. Yeah, that, there's just some of his followers, Adam and Eve. So I wonder how these events are going to, what the clash is going to happen here. I mean, a lot of you guys perhaps know the story, but not everybody necessarily. That's why we're here. So the primary hook that we're going to be using today is Adam and Eve chose sin. Choose. I always mix those up. I have a very difficult time remembering. Choose sin. There we go. Thank you. I'm turning red right now for those that are listening on the podcast. Brian? Yeah, exactly. I question that in one sense in that Eve was deceived. Adam chose, but Eve was deceived. Sure. Well, let, let's dive in. Either way, they, they chose disobedience. Because they, they, they had a test before them. They were given a command. So we're going to dive into that and and look at it more. And we will touch on that exactly what you just said there too. Um, and again, just as a reminder, as you see other foundational truths coming out, if we're not sort of stamping them, we'll try and catch them at the end. But as you see them, let's bring them up. Raise a hand and say, this is what I see of God's attribute here, whether it's new or repeat, okay? Do you guys understand that exercise? It's kind of been new to us the last couple lessons. Okay. Well, now that we're diving in and got the review underway, how about, uh, how would I pray? <laughs> and then uh, this is when we normally pray <laughs> and we'll get, get truck in continuing. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this evening where we can just uh, push out the busyness of lives, God, and just say, we want to learn from you. We want to open your word, which is your mouthpiece. We want to hear from you. We trust that you can guide us by your spirit into deeper truths of who you are that you can shore up the, our foundations, God, as your word desires to show us clearly who you are. And God, just show us any misunderstandings we have of who you are or who we are in you. Lord, I just thank you for everyone here tonight. 
Yeah, just uh, take them places, Lord. Impact them with, with your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Adam and Eve choose sin. Say that right. <laughs> so, I have a lot of verses here. Spell check me if you would. Some of you, a third of you go to Revelation 12, 9. A third of you to uh, John 10, 10. And a third of you to uh, 1 Peter 5, 8. You're supposed to figure out which third are which. First, second, third, third. There you go. First row, first, third, second row, second, third. And third verse for the back row there. <laughs> it's all good. You can even have the back row. They're lo- lower in number. just want to make sure that I, I do have... Um, Revelation 12, 9. John 10, 10. 1 Peter 1, 5, 8. <clears throat> Belichick doesn't always know good biblical grammar, so sometimes there, there's typos in here that I don't catch or whatever. But Okay, whoever has Revelation 12, 9 first, if you want to read it nice and loud for all to hear. <laughs> the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He has, was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Thanks, Judy. Okay, and then John 10.10. 10. The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Hmm. Thanks, Brian. And then 1 Peter 5.8. All right, so as we dive into this first part, we're going to be talking about what we're hearing here, this ancient serpent, the one that is prowling, the one that this thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. So Satan and his demons are cast to earth, and their aim here is to wage war against God. In a sense, the war has already been fought and won, clearly, by God. God has stripped him of his position. And John 10.10 here, this is kind of our our theme verse that we use within Established, that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come, speaking of the deliverer, the rescuer, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. As we focus on the first half of that, it doesn't sound very pleasant. So now that Satan is on earth, what do you think that's going to look like? He's just going to sit on the beach till he's cast in the lake of fire? Destroy people on earth, the enemy. He likes to deceive people and destroy people. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, it's kind of like if a villain can't beat his like the hero of the story, what's he going to go after? Who's the villain going to go after? Or what's he going to go after? Pardon? Fame. Fame? Yeah? Everything that the hero loves, mm-hmm. cherishes, mm-hmm. possesses, anything like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything that, that, that he sees as vulnerable 
and he can snatch away collateral damage, so to speak. So yeah, here he is, his whole goal as he's on earth. I believe his intent is to lead the whole world astray. This is what, this is what God's word will show us and tell us. Why are they going to do this? Have they not just seen that they can't overthrow the one who made them? Yeah. Yeah, he's, there's jealousy, there's anger. Yeah. 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 Yeah, as enemies, they're going to do as much as, much as possible. Yeah, that's right. So he's going to want to hurt the ones that God loves. God's the hero. Yeah, we're the ones he loves. Satan's going to go for the ones that he loves. God's image bears. So before we look, before we look at what Satan does after he was cast to the earth, there's one more description of Satan we should read. It's John, uh, so middle row there, you guys were in John, weren't you? John 8, 44. Let's circle the words that describe Satan here. It's up on the board here. You can look with me. So what are, we, what are we seeing here? Yeah, where's father of lies there at the end? So he's described as father of lies. What else? Murderer. Murderer. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not a holder of the truth. Not holding the truth. Not a holder of the truth. No truth in him. What else is he? He's a liar. Yeah. And we're speaking about Satan. Yeah, the devil. Wow. So he seeks to be a counterfeiter, distractor, deceiver, and ultimately a destroyer. We're seeing that in John 10.10, that he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. We see this, that he's the father of lies, that there's no truth in him. He doesn't hold to the truth ever. He's a liar, a murderer. Crazy. Exactly. That's his, that's his mother tongue. Yeah, it's his mother tongue. Um, we're going to go to... Actually, do I have it here? Just Maybe we could read it together. So in 2 Corinthians 12, 13 to 14, it says, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. What's masquerades? Disguises. Disguises himself. Yeah. So here we're reading that he, he hides himself, disguises himself as an angel of light. An angel was an angel. 
but a deceptor now, a counterfeit. It's pretty obvious. He wants to go unknown. The best way probably to have the most damage is to have most people think it's not him. I mean, if, we, if everyone knows, if everyone truly believes that this is really who he is, who in their right mind would ever listen to a liar, murderer, father of lies, thief? thief. You? No. This, you know, if someone came up to you and said, I'm all these things, want to hear some, some good things I got to tell you about yourself? Yeah, <laughs> please, tell me all about myself. I'd love to hear it. Well, of course he's going to go around as an angel of light, like, you know, camouflaged here. He wants to deceive them. I believe today one of the best tactics he has is that most people think he doesn't exist. He definitely exists. But if I told you he didn't exist, and that's how I lived my life, he could be deceiving me and I wouldn't be any the wiser for his tactics because I'm not even on the lookout. So yeah, he exists. And he is a deceiver and he's an angel of light. Um, disguises himself, sorry, as an angel of light. If you could all turn with me to your Bibles, in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to jump back into the narrative. You guys hear me okay? Genesis 3. Read the first, I'll read the first uh, couple of verses here. So it says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the fruit trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit tree it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat of it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So the serpent was more crafty. It says God made him. He's crafty. What's going on here? Is, is the serpent the devil? Yes. So is every serpent today the devil that we see? Garter snake and... Some people would say yes, but... Yes. <laughs> So the, the, the serpent became inhabited, so to speak, by, by Satan again. He's a deceiver, deceptor. So he, he somehow entered into this serpent and was speaking through the serpent. But I imagine in some ways Adam and Eve weren't all that shocked that a serpent was speaking to them. I mean, how long have they been around? And I mean, just the entire animal kingdom just walked before Adam. So in some ways I could see how they were easily deceived at this point. Um... It wasn't a regular serpent. It was one disguised. So here we have a picture. Adam looking at this tree that he was forbidden to eat of. Eve is right there. And, he, and it says, the serpent said to the woman, Did God really say? Why didn't Satan at this point openly reveal himself? What did we just say at the beginning? What was his goal? Yeah, deception. And what would he achieve by deceiving her? 
Pardon? Destruction. Destruction, yeah. Yeah, she would, in destroying her, in attempting to have her destroy herself, so to speak, she would defy God, the one who made her, her rightful, ultimate owner and provider. How did Satan start to do it? Yeah. Right, yeah, he's, he's really, we'll just kind of keep harping on this here. Did he really say, there's that opening of the doubt, the planting of the doubt seed. <clears throat> he was twisting God's word. Right here in Genesis, if you just like look back one chapter 2, chapter 2, 16, 17. Lord God warned him, talking about Adam, you may freely eat of the truth, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Every tree in the garden! Was, it, was God scarce here with them? How many trees were there? Yeah, innumerable. Eat of any tree of the garden. A God who provides abundantly. Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of its fruit, you're sure to die. So here we have God saying every tree. And then in, in three... We have Satan saying, did he not say you could eat, couldn't eat of any tree? What a jump. We just went from, you can eat every tree, just not this one, to Satan saying, oh, he said you couldn't eat any? You should, if you like marking up your Bible, you should write that, highlight that. Did God actually say? Did God really say? He wanted to doubt God's holiness. As if God would not uphold his consequences if she broke it. Yeah, that's this. Right, yep. So if you look if you look at two pardon? Yeah. So yeah, in two, sixteen and seventeen, God is telling Adam, you may freely eat of every fruit tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So then we jump to 3.1 and Satan is saying to the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So he, it flip-flopped. See that, Terry? So he's just, he's starting to, so he brings open doubt. Did God really say? And then he throws in any. He's starting to twist God's word. Adding doubt to Eve's mind that perhaps God's withholding. God's withholding from you, Eve. You know? So he told her a lie to uh, confuse her. Yeah, there was, there, was a tw- there was a lie. There was a seed of doubt planted. He was, he, was, he was alluding to the fact that perhaps there was something more or better for you that God just didn't want you to know about. So come on, I'm going to tell you more, Eve. I'm going to tell you more. He wanted her to doubt God's goodness. What did we see back here? Is there, is there anything there to doubt God's goodness in, in the creation of, of everything? Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, we have the powerful God who made everything. As the absolute owner and ruler, he has nothing hidden from him. He provided it all abundantly as the sustainer and provider of all things. And he rules supreme with all those characters in perfect harmony. 
And, he, and here Satan is trying to call into God's goodness, call his goodness into question, suggesting that God was unfair, that he wanted her to doubt his holiness. And I, I, think, I think this happened, doubting her, doubt, him wanting her to doubt God's holiness by, by suggesting there wouldn't be a consequence. They would surely die, Genesis 2.17. That's what God said there. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Satan also got Eve when she was away from Adam. You think? Yep, well, because he's talking to, to Eve by herself, and then Adam comes on later, and she gives it to Adam. Sure. There, is, there is in the original when it says with, and we'll get there, when he says with, it was together. There, there was a togetherness with them. It's not like he was out of earshot. But we'll, let's get there in, in pace here. We'll touch on that. Um, so Satan knew that God had told Adam and Eve not to eat from this one tree. He also knew firsthand consequences. Wasn't he the first one to experience that? He knew the consequences of defying holy God. Remember, he was on earth just because he, or because he just was cast out. So this is fresh on his mind. He is ticked. He is going to do collateral damage. And now he's just twisting God's word, causing doubt. So he starts to set this trap. Let's read Eve's response. Can somebody just go back to that? Three, Genesis chapter 3 and read verses 2 and 3 again. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat free from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And four? Sorry, three, chapter three? Two and three. Two and three? Oh, you did that? Sorry, you just jumped ahead. It went faster than my eyes went. I'm like, that's good. Um, so what, what did she do here? Do you guys notice a subtlety? She expanded on what God actually said. Yeah. Was that a good thing? Was she like kind of like trying to give like a little oomph to God's word, like adding a little something to God's word? This I'll help you, God. I'm gonna like help my daddy. What do you think? I think a little bit of the doubt that he intended to her to have was already there. She was doubting his goodness. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I have this picture of like the poison beginning. It was starting to have the desired effect, Satan's desired effect. I mean, you think of if you ever had a playground, you know, my daddy's bigger than your daddy kind of conversation with anybody before. It's like you embellish, you add more. Whether or not it's true or not. So she said, what was it that she added? You guys know it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, where is it here? Yeah, the touch it part. They, they could not even touch it. So, let's go back to what God actually commanded again. 2.17. Really fast. Do not eat of it. If you eat its fruit, you're sure to die. Okay, was there anything about touching? No. No, nothing about no touchy. So, she errs. The poison is taking effect. Eve added, which showed his, yeah, that, that deception was beginning. She was doubting. She was waffling. So, 
What do you think at this point in time? Eve wasn't there when God gave this command to Adam. So, is Eve scot-free? Does Eve know the command? I think... There you go. Yeah, exactly. So she said it. So whether Adam told her or God told her, she knew, but then she added to it. So she was without excuse. She was responsible before God. When you're fishing and you have an empty hook, just a plain hook, it's not very tempting for a fish to bite, is it? Just a plain little hook. You got to throw a nice little wriggly worm on there or maybe get a spinner lure, something that looks shiny and attractive in hopes of maybe deceiving a hungry fish to, to grab on, right? And once they grab on, they're caught, they'll be drug ashore, you know, a little wallop on the head and be eaten, right? At least that's the humane way. This is exactly what Eve was doing, or Satan was doing to Eve. He was, he was dangling the hook. He was putting a little bit, of, little bit of goodness on it, disguising himself so she didn't know this hook was there. And then planting that poisonous seed, that, that barbed hook was hiding there for her to take. <clears throat> And so she ended up choosing disobedience, as we'll see in God's word here. She chose to sin towards God. She ultimately chose to separate herself from this perfect owner, sustainer, provider, satisfier, God. So with this illustration in our minds, let's see how, how Satan continued to use this tactic. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And he further challenges Eve to doubt God. Satan continually disrespects and dishonors God as creator, twisting it. You will certainly, it says there in verse 4, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman in verse 5, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Let's talk about these two verses here. What, what stands out to you? Yeah. Pretty, that one's blatant. Yes. So right there he's saying, You're God, God's a liar. That's what he's telling her right there. Anything else jump off? <clears throat> off the page there? You will be as God? Yeah. What do you, how do you think he was intending? Well, sorry, kind of gives it away, but. Right, following Satan's footsteps. Yeah. I mean, to know, to know good and evil, what's the big deal about knowing good and evil? Like, isn't it good to discern that's bad? I want to steer clear of that. That's good. I want to go that way. Okay. He wants her to make the same mistake he made. He does. Satan does. Wants her to make the same mistake. But yeah, he wanted to damage God's image bearers because he couldn't damage God, so he's going to do the thing closest to him. What were we talking about? What type of relationship did God design Adam and Eve for? Dependence. Dependence. And so. If they knew good and evil for themselves, does that give them a step closer to God or a step farther from God? 
Yeah. They would think they said that they didn't need to, if they had all the knowledge that he had by eating the food. Yeah. Yeah. They they would, in a sense, lose their innocence and and take an aspect that God didn't want them to have. And and it at its basics it was disobedience. But they would be taking something that God never wanted them to have. <clears throat> um this part that always stood out to me that I just want to touch on too, and Brian brought it up. This as God or like God. Um, what does it say in Genesis one twenty six? Just the first half. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Yeah, to be like us. Um, the NLT has to be like us. Then God said, "Let us make ma- human beings in our image to be like us." So what are we, what's happening here? Satan's saying, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. 126, God is saying, let us make him in our in- man in our image so he can be like us. Yeah, that's what I see. Like, here we have Adam and Eve that were already made in the likeness of God. And what were those likeness? We've already touched on those several times over this course so far. As reflectors of his, Right? with emotions, mind, will, creativity, ruling, all these things. And here Satan's saying, well, you'll be like God. Knowing, but he's saying knowing good and evil. It's not, they're not going to be like God in either case, all-powerful, all-knowing, right? God alone is these things. But, but Satan is interjecting this... this Right, yeah. God isn't good. There's a knowledge, a secret knowledge out there that God is good. Right. So I think, again, we just see, do you not see the twisting upon twisting upon twisting we're seeing here? So back to Genesis 3, 4, and 5. By contradicting what God said, what was Satan implying? We've talked about withholding. But what, what is he pushing against on God's attributes? Different things here. God isn't always loving. Isn't always loving? Right. Isn't always loving? Anything else? Yeah, destroy them more. Well, which is not true. Right, right, exactly. These are the these are the lies. Right, yeah, that God isn't supreme. <clears throat> so yeah, that God just isn't trustworthy. That He in fact is the liar, and Satan is the one that's telling the truth. And then, so let's render it down here. What, what, were the juicy, what were the juicy poisonous lines here? She would not die. She'd be like God. She would know good and evil. 
The bait seems to be working. She hasn't run away yet, has she? So, here's a temptation. And remember that James verse, James 1, 14, 15. Sin begins when the heart takes the Creator and lowers, lowers Him below the created or the creation. So, Eve was doing this here. She's thinking, my owner, ruler, sustainer, provider is holding out. He's not trustworthy. He doesn't mean what he says. This created thing, this serpent or whatever, I'm going to believe it. She's already, this temptation is already conceiving, giving birth to sin. It's already beginning. What's the hook? The apple. What's the hook that we have for the lesson, I mean? There it is. Yeah. Let's think about it. Pause and... Yeah, sorry. Um, There we go. So we're just going to take a little sort of a, not an intermission, but let's just pause and think about the important truths that we've pulled out up to this point in tonight's lesson. Satan and the demons want to lead God's image bearers astray to kill, to kill steal, and destroy. John 10.10, right? He's a liar. He's a father of lies. He can masquerade as an angel of light. He twists God's word to deceive people. He's, I mean, he's the master deceiver. And because Adam and Eve represent God, Satan wants to destroy them, much like a lion hunts its prey, as it says in 1 Peter 5.8, this idea of prowling around. So as we dive into this next section here, we're going to talk about these two special trees God placed in the garden further. Tree of life, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I know that God didn't, the Bible teaches us that they didn't eat of the tree of life, but why did God want Adam and Eve to eat of the tree of life? Why did he desire them to? I believe they desired him to because he created them for an eternal relationship, dependent. So why do you think that was God's heart for them? To, to, to have this tree of life. Like, why do you think he wanted them to eat that tree of life? <coughs> would have been good for them? To and what would have been aspects life. of that goodness? To have eternal life. Eternal life. To be in harmony with, with God. Yeah, harmony. That would continue. What would eating of the tree of life It would, bring, it would bring an eternality to their existence. But the garden, I mean, the garden wasn't created to be the end-all, be-all, and I don't want to go down this path too far, but the garden definitely wasn't created as the end-all, be-all. It was, it was created perfect. The tree of life was there. I believe God had this desire for them to eat of that, but I, what I want to emphasize particularly is this foreverness, that God desired for their relationship to be in harmony and unity, abundant, Forever, dependent on him. Sorry, maybe that's a bad, badly worded question. But I just want to emphasize this forever. God wanted to be in communion with them forever, in harmony, in peace, in unity. So that's right, but the angel and the entrance of the garden, right? Yes, later on. That's what happened. Yeah. When he wanted to eat from the, the tree of life. Yeah, the tree of life. I mean, up to this point, God revealed that 
what a perfect eternal relationship could look like in the garden. He put them there, perfect environment, abundant life, his presence. He walked with them in the cool of the day. He provided for their every need. They were totally dependent on him, not only for physical things, but just communion and relationship. Adam was given Eve by God. He talked with them. He led them towards what was good. He graciously warned them. He was their source of life and of everything good. I mean, they got a snapshot here. And God, I believe, wanted that for them forever. But there was more to the story, as we all know. So at this point, Eve is becoming tempted, or she's tempted. She's becoming deceived to disobey God. So let's, let's pause and put ourselves in Eve's shoes. Wait, but Eve didn't have shoes, so. <laughs> but just put yourself in Eve's place. Satan is telling her she won't die. She'll be like God, knowing good and evil. She won't need to depend on God for knowing these things. So if you were her, and you were hearing the serpent say these things, what, what is tempting to you? What tempts you in that? Same things as Eve? Other things? Right. And um, I, I think it's, you know, it says he's the most crafty of all the animals, and oh boy, it's really true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they would, what, I, what you're saying is, they would gain something. Truthfully, they would gain something, but we're talking like this minuscule grain of sand, even, even if that much. They would gain the ac- aspect of what's good and bad. But right, like, they would lose. Right, exactly, that knowing there internally, is intrinsically. Tiny hint of, of it making sense. Yeah. Often, uh, I mean, I often use this analogy of uh, rat poison, and I'm, I'm told that rat poison is, or mouse poison, whatever, is uh, like a high percentage of food. And I, know, I know it's got to be true, because actually I bought some a while ago, and it was grain, but it was grain peppered in, in a poison. So the, the food, this poison... It was like 90, 95% food. And food is to nourish and sustain life. And Satan did kind of that. He gave them largely something that was true. Oh, good things. Yeah, like God, knowing good and evil. But what was the poison? You won't die. Yeah, you won't die. It also says the way it's worded there is, okay, you will not I, I think he was the first used car salesman. Well, your car over here, sir, your car over here, sir, will look really good on you when you drive it off this lot. So I think he was the first used car salesman there. When you eat of it, he doesn't want to cause doubt in the other way. If you eat of it, no, 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 you will. You will. So, yeah, but interesting catch, Terry. Yeah. They're effective. 
Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, well, it, en- it engages the imagination. And who gave us our imagination? You picture yourself in that car. You picture yourself winning the lottery. You picture yourself having something that's been withheld from you. I've heard it described multiple in different ways, but like the idea of Satan often will tell you what is, tell you things that are true. Mm-hmm. And just because something is true doesn't mean it's the truth. And that's the masquerading as an angel of light. Yeah. And so it's always that idea of just because something's true doesn't mean that it's the truth. Right. Yeah, exactly, and that's the knowing of the word, right? So you said ninety-five percent is the actual green, five percent is the poison. Yeah, and that's what kills it. it it's <laughs> uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like you know you know maybe this is too much information, but you know you're in the shower, you got the shower bottle, you got nothing to read, you're reading the shower bottle. It's like so you know you read some of the shower bottles. It's like ninety-nine percent naturally derived, and I'm like, what's the other percent? Cyanide. Like, because I don't really care what the other 99 is if, like, that 1% is going to kill me. But they say that now in places. 99% organic. Well, then it's not organic. I don't want it. What? No? I should put scripture in. I should be like a scripture shower. When I was, uh, when I went to uh, some, like, I used to fly the Kodiak aircraft, and I went to, like, a specialized training facility. And in the men's room, they actually had in front of the stalls or the urinals, they actually had, like, all the engine parameters. And it, I loved it, like, because you, like, you had, like, you know, a few seconds to just, like, oh, yeah, engine limitations, got there, yeah, overspeed, torque, got it, got it, okay, got it reviewed, now I'm back into the simulator, you know? It was awesome. Anyways, just, just a plug for putting scripture wallpaper in your shower. <laughs> um, but, yeah, knowing the word, that's what we're getting at, right? Knowing the word. How should Eve have responded? Here she is, being, run, what, did I, run? Run. What's that, Andrew? With God's word. With God's word, the power of the, of the spoken word, yeah. Not the embellished word. Not the embellished word, yeah. Not bringing a little bit onto yourself. God, God's power, walked away, obeying what was already given to her, what was already commanded to her. But instead, sorry, yeah, go ahead, Janelle. That's right. It is written. Yeah. But instead, what does she do? Ponders, looks at it, questions it, enticed towards this independent idea, independent woman, (laughs) person, people. Yeah, she's starting to trust her own thoughts, her own thinking, to fulfill her own wishes, her own desires outside of what God had provided. Right. Yeah. I could be, and I could be wrong, but like in our fallen state now, I think there's something very um, like seductive about more knowledge, and we have the, all have the internet available to us most of the time. Like, oh, like we can be experts on general, generalist experts on everything by watching YouTube videos of how to fix this or how to do that. Or, yeah. And so there's something very appealing about being knowledgeable. Like it appeals to the ego. What's the old expression? Knowledge is. Power. Right. And it seems like we know it. Yeah. And I think it's like what you said, independence. I don't have to pay someone else to do it. I can do it myself. And then I can feel good about doing it myself. And those aren't inherently bad things, but there's something in us that wants. Yeah. Um, like lust after sort of like that knowledge and that power. Yeah. All yeah. Those knowledge puffs up, yeah. but love builds up. 
Mm, that's right. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. Yeah. So let's read the next verse. Is it going to go? It's like a half asleep on me here. Let's read this together off the, off the PowerPoint here. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. What does it say there, Brian? Yeah, I know it says that he was with her, but the, the way I look at it is when Satan was talking to her, he, he could have been just you know, in, close to her, when, and then she grabbed the fruit and gave it to her. At that time, she, he was back with her. Yeah. Well, the original, at least, yeah, this, from my understanding, the original with her at this point means that he was right oh, in, in the, oh, 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 yeah. With her during the conversation. Yeah, with but her during why, the conversation. Why does he specifically talk to her and not to him? That's, that, we have a lot going on there. Yeah, so that, that, that's why I, I came up with, with, yeah. with that thought, was that maybe he was in the area, but was, was paying attention to something else, because his job was to name all the animals. And so he could have been doing that with, with his back turned to her, when Satan was talking to her, and he was off doing something else, and then she gave the fruit to him. Sure. Well, maybe, let's say maybe that happened. Here he is, though. He knows the command. But, but he willingly took it. He, That's he right. He already knew what the truth was. He already... He, That's right. He, he, he weighed the consequences. Yeah. And, and decided that he didn't want to be without her. Right. And exactly. And there was different things, I think, being scaled in their minds here, right? So the woman saw that the tree, it was good. It was pleasing for the eye. So she was being attracted by the, this desirous gaining wisdom, gaining knowledge, that maybe that power. She gives it to her husband. They both eat it. She ate first, though, didn't she? No. She took some and ate it. She also gave some. So she ate and she, she, she ate didn't first. die. She right. She ate first. So, yeah, so she did. She took that poisonous seed of temptation, took it in, ate it. In her heart, she bore that fruit against, of disobedience against God. So the all-knowing, all-powerful God, she was rejecting him. And then she gives it to Adam. You're right. There's this momentary... Lapse, maybe he's thinking, wait a second, that death thing, I don't know what it is. I've never seen it yet because there hasn't been death yet. I haven't seen it. What's that look like? Well, maybe she's dead, but now I'm going to take a bite. Despite her knowing all of God, experiencing so much of him, more than any of us ever will at this point in our life, she was deceived by her thinking and her action demonstrated that she no longer believed in God's goodness in God's ability to provide everything she needed. Adam and Eve chose to sin. So we're talking about where was Adam during this exchange? In verse 6, we see that he's alongside her there at least. Believing in God and what? Not believing in God and what? In God's goodness and in God's ability. In God's ability to provide everything that she needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Satan could talk 
Right. Yeah, like the created order, Adam was made first, and then Eve, and he goes to the one that he thinks is the one that's going to be easier to deceive. And so he goes to the one that's not created first, the one that's not leading, and he's going to go in sideways. And he wasn't deceived, as we'll read, as Brian's also drawn out already, but they both took it. They both willfully ate. She took it deceptively, he took it willfully, but they both reached out with the mechanics of their hands and consumed it. Adam, Adam too, was rejecting God as his sole provider. His choice was saying that God was not enough. So what was happening here? What, what do you really see them screaming in the pride chart here? Anything in particular? God, you're not good. I don't need you. Yeah. My own wisdom. My own wisdom. That's right. Yeah. I'm going to start calling the shots what's good and, good and evil now. Yeah. <clears throat> so it wasn't until after they ate that then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were. Right. Yeah. That's coming. That's okay. That's okay. No, you're good. It's good. It's right there. Yeah. So I just, th- this blows my mind though, I mean, of how crafty Satan was, <clears throat> how that trajectory took place, because as I said, they're walking with God in the garden, and what that looked like, we can only imagine. But the beautifulness of that relationship up to this point, and they, they put it on the line, they threw it out. You think that would be a lot harder to make that choice there, after walking with God in such a perfect relationship, hey? Satan did, yeah. That's right. Satan made them discontented. So let's dig a little deeper here. There's a quote I have here from John Piper. I have it on the chart here. So it says, The offered pleasure became so compelling that the desire for it was greater than the desire for God. That discontentment. So in the last lesson, we talked about sin began with Lucifer, who became Satan. We learned of the consequences. We learned of what God's view on that was. So now, as God looks on Adam and Eve, what's his view going to be? Adam and Eve chose to eat of this fruit that we call the forbidden fruit, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the forbidden fruit. How would God view this? What, was he gonna, what would he call it? Give me the list, even. Sin? Disobedience. Rejection. Rejection of their loving owner. Yeah, their gracious father. Unfaithful. Unfaithful. Yeah. Defiant. Defiant. Yeah. Proud. Would it be much different than how he looked at Satan's rebellion? Same. Same. Yeah, like I, I imagine, imagine just being like this parent that could just give the best of everything. So you give it to your kid, all the best of everything with the best of intentions. They throw it at your face and go with, their, go with an enemy. 
They throw it up in your face. Do you want your own wisdom, not God's wisdom? I can only imagine how that felt for God. Do you want your own wisdom, not God's wisdom? Yeah, that rejection of God's guidance and wisdom. Yet God all loved you that there was no good anyways. You can imagine, he did know, because there's nothing hidden from him. Nope. He is all-knowing. But just still the grief. I imagine the grief was still there. The sadness. Right. Yeah, when he left, gave him his inheritance, ran away. Yeah. Right away, he gives the salvation story right away. Yes, yeah. Yeah, we see more of God's goodness and grace shining through coming up. So we remember this definition of sin anything that rejects God, his character, his word, will, rule, ownership, and ways. Um. I just want to kind of cap that part there with, I have this, this video about sin that kind of touches on these other words here of iniquity, wickedness, unrighteousness, unjust, perverseness. Just to kind of bring it into our minds a little more of what, what did they just take on here? What did they just accept? And can I find it in a hurry here? I have all these dialed up. I'm just going to listen to the first about minute and a half. Assume the Bible has a lot to say about how messed up humans are, and that's true. It's also true that the Bible's vocabulary about this topic sounds odd to modern people, using words like sin, iniquity, or transgression. And so the Bible's perspective on the human condition is often ignored or treated as ancient, backwards. This is really unfortunate. Because through these words, the biblical authors are offering us a deeply profound diagnosis of human nature. Sin refers to moral failure, and transgression describes how we break trust with others. And iniquity, no one even uses that word anymore. So what's it all about? In Bible translations, iniquity is one way the Hebrew word avon gets translated. It's also rendered by words like wickedness, guilt, or sin. So what does avon actually mean? The word avon is related to a Hebrew verb ava, which means to be bent or crooked. The poet of Psalm 36 says his back is ava, that is bent over in pain. Or in Lamentations chapter 3, a road that isn't straight is one that avas, that is, it's twisty, crooked. Now, this image of being crooked offered biblical poets a powerful metaphor to talk about people's behavior, like Jeremiah, who said... Okay, just wanted to give you that little snip. Does that continue to help to paint a, a picture, a broader picture of sin, the iniquity, the transgression, the crookedness? This is what they just took. This is what they just adopted. This is what they just traded. All of God's goodness, all of his holiness, his love. And they were saying no to that. And they were saying yes to all those transgressions that would come. So do you think... And Adam and Eve sinned when they bit? They bit that fruit? Is that when they, is that when they sinned? When they swallowed it? When, they swallowed it? when, it, when, the, epi, when the epiglottis went bloop, bloop? Was it at that point? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, then it was when it, once it was digested. Where? When did they sin? When they ate it? When they chose. When they chose? Mm-hmm. 
and they chewed before they ate it. So yeah. they already made the decision that they were going to eat it, and something happened to knock it out of hand, but they still have been a sin. Right. Yeah. I mean, what did we read in James 1, 14 and 15? Yeah, we need to run away from temptation. But the temptation is already there. The temptation to eat is already there, so run away from it. Yeah. Be, being tempted is, isn't a sin. Right. Being tempted, sin. It, being tempted is not sin. sin. Giving in to temptation is sin. Even in your mind. Even in your mind. We, we were saying it's any action, word, thought, or deed that goes against any of God's character. So... Somewhere in, that, in their thinking, it went from just temptation to conception. Once it was conceived, that's what drove their muscles to reach out and grab. More lust. It took place in their heart. Well, we're not going to go down all the, the list of them at this point in time. Mm-hmm. But, but as they, were, they had this one command, don't eat of it. Mm-hmm. And they took it in their mind. Eve believed Satan at some point, so there was a shift of who she was trusting in. A choice. A choice. Yeah. And then... Wasn't the only rule up till then that God had made for Adam For what we have in the Word. That's all we know. Okay. Yeah. And tend the garden. Yeah. yeah. The only negative do not. Okay. So yeah, I, I mean, and it's... It, okay. I mean, some could see it as splitting hairs, perhaps, that, you know, it wasn't... It was the fruit of biting, that's a dis, that was a sin, or it was in the heart, that was the sin. I believe from James, it tells us it was somewhere in the thinking where the sin took place, as a lot of us do know later in the New Testament where it talks of thoughts and hearts and attitudes mm-hmm. before an action was ever, ever taken place. So taking what we know with that and applying it here... Um, I believe it did take place in their hearts when they first decided to disobey God, to take Satan's word. So yeah, as Brian said, temptation is not sin. Giving into the temptation, that, that is the sin in, in word, action, and thought. And I remember it was Martin Luther said once uh, in reference to temptation and sin, you cannot prevent birds from flying overhead, but you can prevent them from building a nest on your head. And that's exactly right, or a nest in your hair. So... Somewhere along the line, the birds got a little close to Adam and Eve and started to make a nest. And that's why they chose to disobey. So let's start to contrast some of these ideas and truths that we're going with today. So Satan today is still the father of lies. He's not yet in the lake of fire. He's still the adversary against God. And so he's still trying to do collateral damage to God's image bearers, which is every human being. Remember in Revelation 12, 9, he wants to lead the whole world astray. And so at this point in the Genesis account, Adam and Eve, they are the whole world. Today, we are the whole world. So that includes every one of you and me, everyone we can think of. So I just want to link as we, as we jump into what are the lies that Satan tells or tempts us. We, I want to pull the thread from Adam and Eve here. So we know that Eve was told by either Adam or, or God not to eat of that tree. She, knowledge was, this command was passed to her, right? Well, today, what do we have that's been passed to us? 
the word. The whole word, right? The whole completed Bible. So as we think of Satan twisting the command that she was given, she knew the truth. We too have the truth. What are lies that Satan tells or tempts us with about to doubt God? And we can run through not just about God, but about sin, about Adam and Eve. But let's start, let's start with this one. My pen just came apart. What? Yeah. But this is, this is us today. Oh, so you're thinking of Adam and Eve? Okay, just any, oh, I see. Yeah, did God say, yeah, anything. So applying that to any, anything in the word. Did God say that? Fill in the blank. So what are some of those blanks that, that come to your mind? Yeah, the word gets twisted. But before we run away from this one here, what are some of those blanks? Did God say what? What gets, what's in your world? What's in... Yeah, did God really say that one, you know, one holy matrimony, marriage? Did God say, really? Just, yeah, male and female, that's it? Like with no gender fluidity? No, uh, yeah, gender identity, whatever. Hoop-de-hoops. The Ten Commandments. Yeah, did God, did the, did the Ten Commandments, which, do those pertain to us today? What lies does Satan tempt us about God today? Only one way. Yeah. God is an invention of people. Pardon? Yeah. He's a crutch. Yeah. It's perspective, isn't it? Yep, yeah, many ways many to God. Ways to God. Yeah, only way, many ways. Well, there's also the lie that he also says about himself. We do not exist. Yeah. I'm not here. We have to realize, too, that Satan knows the word better than we do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think over here under pride there that God is not good. Right. Yeah, why do I, why is my family like this? Why do I suffer from X? Why do I, yeah. Why do so, if, God, if God was really good, then this wouldn't happen. Right. Mm-hmm. But commonly linked with the idea, if God is good, he's not all-powerful. If he is all-powerful, he is not good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Source of evil. Source of evil. Source of suffering. Yeah. Source of evil. I mean, I, I feel like, in my life, he often uses what is using Eve's life. He's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to have this pleasure or that fun. 
Yeah. Exactly. Rules equate no fun. And that, um, that I think falls under the same deception that uh, total freedom is freedom. Is total freedom freedom? I mean, I think like God, what God has outlined for us in his word is freedom. That's freedom. We've redefined freedom today wrongly. But to follow God, because he is the best, the holy one, the just one, almighty, that's freedom. I like what, uh, what uh, John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, verse uh, 16. He says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the, the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Mm-hmm. But, sorry, but it's up yeah, it's up the world. Yeah, yeah. He gives a, all three areas. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and another scripture says, uh, uh, "Run from, uh, from what do you call it? Run from flee, flee from temptation or something, or run from it." That's or right. Run from something. That's right. We lose the us. So what are, what are lies about sin? I guess we sort of touched on a bit of them. He doesn't want us to have any fun. And so we equate sin as being just, that's all the fun stuff. And anything that's not sin is not fun. What are, anything else that jumps off your mind for that? Lies of sin? As long as it's not a really bad sin, you're still fine. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, right. That's a, actually, you're touching on the, doesn't hurt you. Who, what did we say sin is against? Who's it against? Is sin against somebody? Or is sin against God? God, God first and foremost. Mm-hmm. There are sins, of course, that have affect other people or maybe don't directly affect other people. But yeah, first and foremost, sin is defying God and rejecting God, holy God. <coughs> so yeah. How about Adam and Eve? What are lies out there, or maybe of Eve, or maybe just Adam? As we just read in the Word, Eve was deceived, Adam willfully chose, but they both took an eight and sinned. What are, what are lies out there? So they think, okay, so they think God, God wanted that. God cho- like made it happen, you're saying? That's what made it happen? Right. And so the idea of, well, this was needed, it's like, well, no, it can't be needed, because if it 
was needed, God was in me. Right, right. In his sovereignty, he, he, he foreknew all that would happen. And in Ephesians, it does talk about before the creation of the world. Yeah. It talks of those being he saved. Yeah, he knew that for the glory of Christ. There was never a need. Right, yeah. Can we just make him a loving God? We wouldn't ask for money. Yeah, no consequence. All love. No consequence. Yeah. I was thinking, um, yeah, it doesn't say that Adam was deceived, so we assume like it was too willfully sin by by the fact that they don't mention it as he did for Eve. But it's to me it just kinda makes me live in the moment. Like that whole I like follow your pleasure. Live in the moment, you know. Yeah. No, you got it. The whole YOLO thing. You only live once. Like. Yeah. And then there's also, you said that it's a, sin is a sin against God, but it's also you do yourself terrible harm when you sin. For sure. I'm just trying to say first and foremost, sin against God. But yeah, it has consequences on yourself. Yeah. What are some different things I have here? Um, about Adam and Eve, it wasn't actually their fault. They had no choice in the matter. Um, God put the tree there, and so, of course, they were going to take it. These are some different ideas about Adam and Eve's sin. Maybe Eve shouldn't be held responsible, or it's not so black and white, or they, couldn't be held, they shouldn't be held responsible for being deceived. I mean, the serpent was there. So these are, these are false beliefs, and as we take them back to the Word, the answers are in the Word. The answers are in the Bible. That's, that's our source for pushing lies out. And that's what we're seeing tonight. God did create the male and female. We saw that. He created the male and female. In His image, He created them. Um, we haven't got to, to be there being like the one way explicitly told, but there is only one God, and God alone is holy. So, we do know that God is asking us to go his way, not this your way, and oh, that's going to work. Right. Um, in the beginning, God. He's not invented. Oh, or this was about Satan, wasn't it? Invented. Was it? Um, yeah, this one maybe was Satan. I'm not here. This whole deceptor. We see in the word, he was very much there as he entered the serpent. Rules are no fun. Well, God, what was the garden created to be? A miserable, stingy, you know, scraping for food kind of a place? Or was it perfect and abundant in every way? I mean, I imagine that would be fun. If all the food and everything was perfect, you're not having to fear anything. There's no sadness. I imagine that would be amazing. I mean, in ter- the lies in terms of, again, sin, it's not really that bad. Well, Adam and Eve, they made one sin here. And next lesson, we'll, get, we'll start to see the consequence of that. But you guys know in your mind, that, that one sin cost a, cost a fortune. The one sin, how many did, did Satan do? Was it one, two, three sins to get out of heaven? One. So do we think that sin that doesn't really have like that much weight to it? It's pretty big. What else here? Did God make it happen? Did God, did God need it to happen? Was that his desire in that point of the scripture? Did he want them to choose this tree? 
What did, the, what did it say in 2, 16 and 17 of Genesis? Don't eat of it. Do you want your kids to do something if you tell them don't? Don't eat that whole jar of cookies. Okay, no, go and eat them. <laughs> no, his heart wasn't for them. His heart was for their, an eternal lasting relationship with them. <clears throat> All love, no consequence. We see there's consequences with Satan's fall. What do we have to do with these lies? We take them back to... Yeah, we take them back to the truth, and we garbage them. Yeah. You know, I know. Instead, I'm moving my uh, my canister a little bit closer, a little bit. The uh, I'm I'm moving the 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 paper instead closer to the garbage can. I'm trying to deceive you that uh, you know. No, I'm not. I don't want to deceive you. Yeah, we've got to destroy this truth. Silly exercise it might appear to be, but you guys hold to things that I'm sure maybe you haven't laid your finger on yet against sin or what Satan is doing in and around your life or, or, or the deceptions. And it's, we just got to take it back to the truth. Take it back to the word. Adam and Eve chose to sin. We learned that there are, there are parents, our grand, well, you know, ancestors. So we've inherited that DNA as well. So we've got to run it through the same grade. We've got to take it back to the Word. God wants us to know what Satan is like because God desires that we would escape his tactics. Do you guys believe that? Or do you think God wants us to grovel in Satan's tactics and be no. deceived? No. He wants us to know that he lovingly created us for himself only. God wants us to depend on him and not live lives independent. In our society, we praise the independent life, don't we? Satan makes it sound pretty good, but God is like, lean on me. He doesn't want us deceived. He, God doesn't want us destroyed. It says in John 10.10, 10, Satan seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. But God says that I have come that you may have life, and not just life, it says abundant life. I'm not talking health, wealth, prosperity. There's still suffering. We're in a fallen world. <clears throat> and God loves, he loves all humanity. Just like the command not to eat of the tree was given to Adam and Eve, and Eve was included, God's word, as I already said, is for us today too. All those things that are taught, we can pull that forward and say, this is for us too. We see that pattern <clears throat> with Adam and Eve. We can see that pattern for us today. We're to listen to the word because God is holy. He's our owner. He's our ruler. The choice to sin is always out there because that's in our DNA. But take it to the word. Take it to the truth. Push out the lies that you might have bought into. And ask God this week, just be praying, God, show me, what have I believed that is not of you, that's not your truth? Um, you said earlier that uh, God wanted them to eat from the tree of life. Why? Why would God want them to eat of the tree of life? Um, so, and what we are getting at there was the forever. He wanted an eternity. eternal relationship like with them. I imagine none of that would have. I imagine none of that would have changed. But at this point in time, it's neither here nor there. But I think God's rules wouldn't have changed if they, for however many days they lasted. Uh, so it wasn't either eat of this tree or either the tree of life and go off in another direction. Right. I don't think so. No. 
if I'm hearing you right. So as we just looked at Adam and Eve choosing to sin, let's, let's pull out the foundational truths that are buried there. Is there anything else that you guys want to just sort of say about foundational truths that you're seeing? At that point, yeah. He chose, he chose a person over God. That's right. And uh, I think sometimes our churches actually do the same thing in, in, in this perpetuating this thing that actually it's our relationships with people that matter the most. And even though they matter, they aren't as important as the relationship with God. No, I think you said that well. Did, did everyone catch that? Yeah. Oh, that was really good, Andrew. Thank you. So, not a relationship with people, relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God number one. God number one. And then people after. God takes care of the rest. God takes care of the rest. Right? <laughs> I think the common argument I hear almost against that is often people will say, it's like, well, if, you're, if you just kind of like reject humanity or whatever, then how do you know that if you would have stuck with it, you could have saved them? It's like right, that idea, though, is a backwards thinking because the first and foremost point should always be to love God. Because it's through loving God and getting to know God better, you will know how to act within that scenario. And instead mm-hmm. of just the idea of like, well, I'll choose this just in case it works out, it's no, God told us to follow Him first and foremost, and He will let us know how to make it work out. Mm-hmm. That's, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. When you see when people start to stop loving God, <coughs> that's, you know, I think there's this idea that if we focus on human beings, we'll love them more. But actually, that's not true. When we love, when we, we when we don't love God, we we lose that value in human beings that comes from being His image. Yeah, yeah. He's the source of love. So if you're if you're unplugging yourself from the source, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. You could continue on mm-hmm. to love others. So let's just review some of these foundational truths. So we have Adam and Eve chose to sin. We have Satan battles against God and His creation. We see this collateral damage. If I can't, you know, get the, the hero, God, I'm going to get things that are dear, near and dear to him. We have Satan is a deceiver. Eve was deceived and believed Satan rather than God. Adam and Eve are also tempted and then they're led astray and they choose to disobey, which resulted in sin. Satan is a deceiver. Eve was deceived. So, we, I think we touched on this a few lessons ago, but I just want to bring it up again because there's often two extremes here when it comes to Satan, the tempter, the devil. We talked about how many Satans there are. One. One. And yeah, he has a bunch of followers. But how much, does he, how much attention does Satan want and how much does he deserve? 
sort of a thing, all of it and none. I mean, he wants glory. He wants to be elevated. We saw that when he said all these, I will become higher. I'll be like the one who's enthroned most high. There's often an extreme of giving Satan a lot of glory. And a lot of times Christians don't look at it that way. But when you're talking about Satan more than you're talking about God, you're giving Satan glory. Because you're treating him like that, that one picture of eye for an eye. You're not treating him like the one who's already been annihilated, basically. Or the other extreme is you ignore that Satan exists and he gets his angel of light wish, masquerading as an angel of light wish. They don't think I'm here. I'm just going to work. I'm just going to be sneaky in this church. They don't ever acknowledge me. So when there's a fight between brothers, they're just going to think it's them and it's not me. And they're going to battle each other out thinking it's between flesh and not powers and principalities. So I just want to just set that up in your minds a little bit. So that you're not subtly deceived, but you're also not, you know, talking about Satan, that there's a boogeyman around every corner. Um, I mean, I've seen circles of people where it's in both, both spheres. We don't need to live in fear, but we don't need to think that there's a demon behind every corner either. Um, for some, this is an unhealthy and an untrue obsession, one, one extreme or the other. He's there. He exists. He's been defeated. God is the winner. He has a team. You can choose to be on that team. Um, so yeah, just a little word there. What's the best way not to fall into Satan's temptations or deceptions? Know the word. Know the word. Go, back to the word. Go back to the word. Take it back to the word. And having an accurate view of who God is, right? Yeah. Put it into practice. Yeah. It's like, it's like I've heard, uh, and a lot of you probably heard this analogy before, but it's like a bank teller. It's like, how do they, how do they know when there's counterfeit money? Do they study every piece of counterfeit that's been invented and the next one and the next one? What do they do? They study the real thing. They know it so perfectly that that's what they use and that's, what they, that's how they know. They just have to put a false one in their hands. They just know something's not right here. So let's do that. Let's be masters of the word. Let's not be fearful. And let's not be deceived. Uh, close us in prayer and hang out or... You're dismissed. God, thank you for your holy word. God, you've given it to us to know you, to walk with you, to love you, to obey you, to worship you. Lord, help us to humble ourselves to it, to, to take these truths, to live it, to apply it to our lives, not just to let it to be knowledge or something that we can lord over people in, in a prideful way, but that we would know it, take it in, live it, share it, and may you receive the glory and honor. And may we be just so satisfied in you and content with all you've given us, Lord. You've provided us with so much. We are blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to hang out for um, five more minutes, I actually wanted to play this one YouTube video at the beginning. So I'll just play it in the background. Not this one, a different one. I'll just play it in the background. Uh, my intent was to play it at the beginning that you could sort of have a, a little rev up for we've got God's word. So this is a is a tribal work in Papua Indonesia. It's in another language, but it just basically brought tears to my eyes today when I was watching this. So I hope please work. Oh yeah, you bet. <laughs>